I'd been saving to buy a house. So I had a pretty decent amount of money in the bank. And yeah, instead I decided to start a business with it. There needs to be more female founders out there and solving things that they're passionate about. Sometimes you have ideas and you tell people and they can't visualize it. So because they can't visualize it, they say that it's crazy or that that can't happen. But I think if you can visualize it and you can feel it, then that's what you need to hold on to. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and e-commerce strategist at 12 High. Question for you. Do you like pina coladas and dancing in the rain? Of course you do. And if you like that, then you're going to love our guest today. Our guest is Danny Holloway, founder and CEO of Merry People. In our conversation, Danny shares with us what made her leave her career in banking and start selling gumboots and what her friends thought about her being a little loco in doing so. And I'm sure we've all heard that advice when we've tried to do something a little differently. You're also going to hear from Danny on how she's managing with virtual trade shows rather than in-person trade shows during COVID, how she uses Reflection Fridays to keep her team connected, and why married people will never, ever, ever discount. Plus, stick around right until the end to hear how you can win a pair of married people's bobby gum boots. These things sell out super quick, so it's a prize worth sticking around for. Now, let's get into it. Thanks to our partners Shopify Plus and Signet. Here's our conversation with Danny Holloway from Merry People. Danny Holloway from the Merry People, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Pleasure. Now, you're in uh, lockdown in Melbourne at the moment? Yes, yes. Um, so, I can't even, I don't even know how many weeks it's been, but I think we've been working from home since end of March, I think it's been, or middle, yeah, towards the end of March. So, yeah, I guess I've just stopped counting and, yeah, yeah, just taking day by day and week by week. All right. Well, we'll get into COVID and um, the impact that it's had for you and how you've responded. But can you give our listeners a little bit of an overview of who the Merry People are and how it came about? Yeah. So, Merry People is a an amazing gumboot brand that I started, it was around like six years ago. And I guess... Uh, it started, I was looking for a cool pair of gumboots. Uh, so, yeah, I grew up in country Victoria, grew up wearing them, and I moved to Melbourne for university and, and work. And I guess the first time the gumboot idea came to me was when um, in my early 20s, I used to go to music festivals and um, liked camping and getting outside. And I remember I was once going to this festival called Meredith Music Festival, which is in country Victoria. In- I remember the days we could go to music festivals. They were fantastic. Yeah, I know. It seems like a distant memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so, and yeah, all my friends were buying gumboots and they were going to Bunnings and buying, yeah, those type of gumboots. And then some were buying like Burberry and Hunter gumboots, which were really expensive. I remember thinking then 
like, oh, I hope someone one day creates a really cool gumboot, like just a really fashionable, cool one. Because um, we had quality gumboots on the farm, but yeah, there was nothing like that that I that I saw. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was twenty and you know just barely able to pay my rent, so it was just that was I was really going by, week by week. So I wasn't looking to start a business. And then it was again later in my late twenties. I was working in a corporate job, and it was on my morning commutes to my office that I was um, in Melbourne. It's notoriously always wet. They say it can be four seasons in one day, and yeah, I was looking for a cool, waterproof, comfortable pair of boots again. And when I couldn't find any that I loved, I thought that this was a gap in the market. And I thought, well, you know, I'm from the country and I was feeling like I needed a little bit more purpose in my career and in my life. And I'd been saving to buy a house. So I had a pretty decent amount of money in the bank. And Instead, I decided to start a business with it, which uh, a few times in the first couple of years, it was not like not touch and go, but like it was um, definitely I remember looking at some of my friends who were buying houses and really progressing with their mm-hmm. lives and and my life, I was doing Saturday markets <laughs> and still struggling to pay my rent uh, like I was when I was um, in uni life. So, yeah, it was but definitely- at least you had, you had dry feet, right? I did. <laughs> Always had warm and dry feet. Always had gum feet. So, <laughs> and, and just for context, what was what was the corporate job before this? So I was working in banking. So I was working oh. at the ANZ Bank, which was an awesome place to work. And I was working in change management, so like a project manager, and that was awesome because it taught me how to navigate change and how to. Uh, actually execute things and work in areas that I was completely unfamiliar with, like technically inexperienced and having to rely on, I guess, subject matter experts and people around me. So I think the experiences of ANZ definitely helped me in starting Merry People and being able to kind of navigate all the unfamiliar stuff that is of starting a business. Mm. So you start from the, the business foundations and go from there. Yeah, what was the first step? So if you've got this money, you've got this money from your house that you've saved up and you've got mm. the idea for the gum boots, you yeah. haven't been in e-commerce or retail before. Where do yeah. you start? So I opened up a blank Word document <laughs> and wrote business plan up the top. <laughs> and then I just started putting all my ideas down and writing where I thought, it, how I thought it could work. And I think I got a template from the Victorian government on how to write a business plan and just did the things like a SWOT analysis, competitor competitor analysis, all of that stuff. And then I, yeah, I'm someone that just likes to kind of just jump in and I probably still do that today within my team now. I, I just like to try things. I don't overthink things too much. So, yeah, I just wanted to find, I wanted to see if I could get this product in my mind bring it to life and whether I could actually do that. So I started looking for some manufacturers and I started looking locally and couldn't find anything um, and found it hard to find people who wanted to work with me. So started looking offshore and did a pretty crazy. I just booked a flight to China by myself (laughs) and just uh, I'd been talking to a, a bunch of different factories and I just wanted to meet them and show them 
my designs and my ideas and see if they were open to working with me and the volumes that I wanted and, yeah, kind of went from there. Do you think that um, shortcut a lot of the process by being over in China and being on the ground there rather than trying to get samples in from different manufacturers? Yeah, absolutely. I like even now where I'm working on two designs for next year, but it's very hard for me doing it remotely without like a lot of the factories have like a sample room uh, where they do all the testing and they like the new product creation happens. So it's great to be able to work in that space and for them to tell you, no, that's not possible or this would be better and that kind of thing. So hmm. it's, it's really, it does take out a lot of the time but also you get to build that rapport. Like I guess it's a two-way conversation. Like they're taking on mm-hmm. you as well. It's not that you can just yep. walk in there and say, hey, make my gumboots. I really had to try and get them on board with my vision and what I wanted that it wasn't just something that I was going to shift a container and that's it and that's the end of the transaction. I wanted to create like a long-term business. So mm-hmm. showing them what, you know, I had my plans for the company in, you know, five and 10 years time and trying to build that rapport of going out for dinner and having drinks and all that stuff. Yeah. It really, I think it's helped. So yeah, I I recommend it. Obviously we can't travel now, but I think if you are looking for suppliers, I think it's awesome to go there and see their capability, see the conditions of the factory and understand all of that before pressing play. Aussie e-commerce packaging company Signet is passionate about helping Aussie retailers transform their packaging processes. With over 5,500 products available online and distribution centres across Australia, Signet has packaging well and truly covered. Signet proudly supports me and this podcast, as well as over 60,000 Aussie businesses, including small family-owned companies like Murchison River Swags, to Australia's largest retailers, including Mecca, IKEA, Lush Cosmetics, and T2. Visit signet.net.au to find out more. Give us an idea of where Merry People are now because I know it's been a long, uh, well, six year journey. Um, mm. tell, tell us where Merry People is now. Yeah. So I, I only started working on the business full time, I think it was like four years ago. So I was doing it on the side with ANZ for a little bit. But um, yeah, we've really grown. So we're now distributing out of a warehouse in Melbourne and also LA. And yeah, we expanded to the US end of last year. Um, I have, there's five full-time staff working on Merry People now. Um, We'll be a team of seven by the end of the year. And yeah, we have offices in Collingwood and yeah, we we ship tens of thousands of gumboots uh, every year to mostly customers, but um, yeah, retail stores, but yeah, like all around the world. So yeah, it's really grown from my market operation <laughs> it was a few years ago. Well, and personally, you've, you've done a fantastic job. Like last year, you were, you were top 50 people in Australian e-commerce. So coming from a banking background to top 50 people in Australian commerce, number 12, yes. that's a huge achievement. Yeah, that was um, amazing to be acknowledged, I guess, at an industry level. And yeah, I was not expecting, definitely not to come in at number 12 and 
got given an award on the, on the night. And yeah, that was very exciting for the team, I think, and, and myself, but to kind of just in the last, you know, 12 to 24 months to see how much we've grown and to, yeah, have that industry recognition was, yeah, was really lovely. What's been the most surprising thing about the e-commerce world for you in that time? Um, not sure if it's, I feel like it's, con- it's changing a lot and it's changing fast. I think there's always things, you know, we talk about we don't think that you're ever an expert at e-commerce because <laughs> we just think there's always something, there's a new platform coming out or, you know, Facebook changes the way it, it works. And, yeah, so I think it's, for me, I didn't realise starting it and starting an online business that it would be this fast, I guess, in how things change and how agile you have to be with it all. Yeah. And what might work for you one month won't work the next, I guess. I think we're all feeling it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk gumboots, hey? Who's yes. who is the gumboot customer? So everyone. <laughs> I think from a child from, you know, as soon as you can walk to to an elderly person, I think, yeah, and, and that is absolutely what that's who we get buying our gumboots. We we get children right up through like that festival girl who maybe she works in at a coffee shop and needs some waterproof comfy shoes to wear for work or um, we get women wearing them to work like corporate like commutes we get gardeners we get mums who you know for school pickups that just want something easy to put on and get out the door that they don't need to kind of sit down and tie up their shoelaces and mums for Saturday sport, watching their kids or, yeah. So, it's we, we have a really wide range of customers and, yeah, and we're also, we, we do sell to men as well. It's something we, we only go, I think our, our sizing only goes up to an 11 or a 12 in men's. So, a little bit limited, but that is the plan eventually is to, to do that as well, to grow our size, size range and be able to... Mm service everyone (laughs) so like if you look at the website they are stylish gumboots and i'm not a stylish Mm. person but they 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 look stylish gumboots and and they're not leery or anything are they like they're beautiful colors yeah well designed um so is that is that intentional so that they can fit into a whole bunch of different lifestyles and use cases absolutely so it's so people can um, like wear them effort- effortlessly and it's not something that like it will go with most of their their wardrobe and mm. I think in a world today where I think women uh, think about price per wear when they invest in an item and they want to know that yeah they can wear something multiple different ways with lots of different outfits it's not just going to be that pair of boots that sits in the back of their wardrobe until you know, once or twice a year when they go to their uncle's farm or whatever. It's something they can wear, not just as a gum boot, but as an everyday boot. So, yeah, that was absolutely what I wanted. And did it surprise you at all? Because having festivals in mind and having farm life in mind, was it surprising that people just wanted gum boots for everyday wear or you just knew that would happen? Well, that's that's what I wanted as well mm. because I felt like people – 
you know, you're only how you're not going to a festival all the time. <laughs> Unfortunately, <Yep. laughs> um, our lives have changed. So yeah, you need to be wearing able to wear something that you can wear on the weekends mm. just down to the coffee shop or walking the dog through wet grass in the mornings, like that really versatile product that yep. takes you everywhere. Yep. So they're they're not cheap, right? They're 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 a good considered purchase at about hundred and forty dollars. Yes. Per gumboot. Not per gumboot, per pair of gumboots. Yeah. So just okay. be silly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mind you, I, I did see that uh, Zappos has started selling uh, shoes that are different sizes. Mm. And um, to allow for different people uh, inclusivity of, of different people, so I yes. thought it was fascinating. But yes, yeah. we sell we sell two pairs of two two shoes per per pair. That makes sense. Um, yeah. They and I noticed that you never put products on sale. <laughs> yes, that's correct. So we've never done that. That's just been, I guess, in my personal values, and I don't like it when I see I buy something and then two weeks later I see it on sale or someone else tells me they got it from somewhere else a lot cheaper. So, yeah, for me when I did my margins at the start, I wanted like it is it is it's a, it is a really good quality boot and I think it's a fair price of what you pay for it and I think if we were to be transparent with our pricing, people would actually see that. And mm. yeah, for me I was like I want to we we sell all year round. It's not I don't want to have do something where I've got to create a new product all like every couple of months. Like mm. we'll be selling this design for a while. So I thought let's just keep it like that. People buy it. And I think our consumers really respect that we're, that we do that and we're really transparent with that as well. Yep. I mean, your customer reviews are fantastic and they speak to the quality of the gumboot as well. So I think that that price point plus the customer reviews, it all matches up to, to yeah. quality and value. Is there any time during that kind of Black Friday, Cyber Monday rush around that time of the year where you sit back and go and you're tempted to, to do something? Um, no, <laughs> um, I'm not. I... Yeah, we get a lot. The other, like, we get a lot of people asking us around that time, and we we actually always get people asking. You know, do you put them on sale, or when's do you have any active discounts or whatever? And but no, um, just because it's, it will affect the brand. I think it'll affect what we're about. So yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I think it's a brilliant approach, and I think yeah. more 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 brands need to stand by their product and the and the value that they're already delivering. Yeah. Now. I can tell that it's not a problem for you because looking through your website, you've got a lot, um, not a lot, but you've got some sizes and some popular styles that have sold out and then you've got uh, pre-orders. In. Yes. How big are pre-orders for you? <laughs> Massive. So, honestly, if we didn't have people pre-ordering, I don't think we would have grown the way we've grown. It's really helped. And, like, we're still bootstrapped. We've never taken on funding or anything like that from an investor. So, yeah, it's really helped us be able to fund our growth and products we buy. So, yeah, it's it's been great. But, yeah, it's something that, you know, it's not ideal. We don't want to always be selling in pre-order ads I think every year we think we have ordered enough and we've obviously got to, we do cash flow forecasting. So to try to make sure that we can afford what we're going to purchase and what we think sales are going to be and therefore what revenue will be. And, and I, I still, I think I push that 
definitely in summer, it's a little, it's quite, <laughs> I'm a little bit anxious with money because that's when we've got to pay for all our stock and it's all starting to arrive and our sales kind of dip a little bit. But yeah, it has really helped having that, um, like customers and mm. part with their money before receiving the product. Like it's a real, I guess, you know, honor <laughs> as a brand yeah, yeah. to trust you that much and that people want your products and they're willing to wait and that really is something that has yeah makes me ridiculously happy as a founder that people that people trust us i guess and and it, and it has really helped us so yeah how many because you're not seasonal right no as in, um seasonal releases no we're not we do like our sales do dip obviously mm-hmm. like in summer but yeah we do sell all year round yeah. And how many shipments would you kind of get in per year? Is it regular? Yeah, it's quite regular. Next year we'll be having stock coming every month. Okay. Which yeah, yeah operationally will be a little bit more to, to manage, but I've got a full time amazing ops guy. <laughs> so <laughs> he'll have to deal with that. And it's only get more more complicated with the uh, the two warehouses, right? Yes. Yeah. So US hasn't um, we've only sent one container there so initially it was something that you know it wasn't like whoa i want to take over the world i want to <laughs> let's go to the u.s <laughs> uh, we started getting online sales organically from the u.s and so um we had a bit of a problem because if customers wanted to exchange their boots it was costing the customer nearly 200 bucks for them to send them back mm. to us in australia so i was saying look let the customer keep it We'll just, mm. you know, give them send them another pair. But I was like, we can't keep doing this. We need to work this out. So we ended up getting sending over a pallet of stock to a warehouse we knew over there through a contact. And we just wanted to test it out to see if it would work. And so we just started doing our ads over there and it yeah, started to grow. So then we sent over a container and but then it all kind of escalated and we we're like, right, we need to start up a US business and US bank accounts mm. and yeah, now we're all legitimately a US company and had to change the structure of our company. <laughs> so it went wow. from just like this, you know, couple of pallets to, yeah, this really big process, which goes back to my thing around I'm someone that just kind of jumps in. Um, mm. <laughs> but we worked yeah. it out. And was so, that that US, that initial US growth, was that just organic? That just happened through word of mouth? Yeah, I think just through socials and mm. um, we'd get, someone that buy, bought some and then their mum or someone else around mm. them, um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, now we, we have a warehouse in LA and, yeah, it's growing. So, it's, yeah, really exciting and hopefully it kind of levels out that seasonality that we have here in terms of sales. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And do you think the US will be bigger than Australia pretty soon? Mm, I don't think – it has, obviously has a potential to be a lot bigger, <laughs> but um, – I don't think it will be any time in the next couple of like year or two. Uh, oh, yeah. shouldn't, maybe definitely not <laughs> the next 12 months, but it is a really hard market to crack. Yeah. Um, we're doing some digital, I don't know if I mentioned to you before this chat, but we'd, we've been doing some digital trade shows. So we're mostly an online business, but we wholesale, we do wholesale. And yeah, we, for me, I find it a good way to kind of get the brand out there and for customers also to see and try on the product so yeah we've been 
we're actually doing a digital trade show right now in the US. Um, one of my staff members so is running that. So, yeah, it's where retailers can log in like this and talk to you about the product and there's like an online portal where you put all your products in the line sheet and they can order through it. So it's been actually really good because it's a lot cheaper than us having to fly over there and mm. do a trade show. That's funny, hey, because some people just love, I think with trade shows, um, I've found some founders just love them and like love the energy and the excitement yeah. and everything that comes out of it. And some people just dread them. Like it's just, they hate the idea of having to sell their stuff in, into a trade show. Mm. What have you noticed being the main differences between a digital trade show or what are you missing out on, on, on a physical versus a digital trade show? I think there, I am the first person that you mentioned there. Like I love it. I love seeing people pick up the product and love it and talking to people and seeing people get excited and experience the brand and feel like, yeah, I can sell this like that. I love that. So you, I guess you don't get to see that. And also you get to meet other people we get, get get to meet other brands and I think you can learn a lot and yeah so you miss out on that and I think you know obviously if you went if I went over with a couple of my staff we would also have a great time <laughs> so <laughs> you, you miss out on that social element yep. going on a work trip so yeah but that's okay that's not you know we can do that <laughs> and your product is so so te- a lot of products are tangible, but it's mm. it's that kind of thing that I feel you've got to see in person to see the quality and everything around it too. That would help, right? Yeah, definitely. I think because it is more than what um, most people have would have paid for a gumboot before, that it might be something they want to see, touch and try on and see how it fits. not sure if you saw the news, but this week Shopify announced John Wexley as the VP of their creator and influencer program. John has worked with cultural icons including Kanye, Beyonce and Adidas to turn their vision into raving communities and profitable businesses. It's the perfect fit for the Shopify family. Now, if you have creative ideas and you want to take your brand direct to consumer, Shopify Plus is the commerce platform to turn those dreams into reality. To get started, visit shopify.com.au forward slash plus. Now, in terms of selling uh, direct-to-customer versus wholesale or selling into retail, yeah. um, have you seen the shift, like a big shift with COVID um, in, in the percentages between the two? So, I've always capped our wholesale uh, just because the margins aren't great for us. So, I cap it at 20%. So, we only cap, we only sell 20% of our stock to retailers. And when COVID initially first happened, we, we sell to mostly independent stores, not to any majors. And a lot of them were closing down and but they were still finding ways to sell to their customers. So whether they were doing the click and collect or, you know, we have a lot of regional retailers, mm-hmm. so whether they were like dropping around to people's houses or whatever. So um, initially there was a bit of a drop, but then it picked up, I think, when consumer confidence somewhat lifted <laughs> mm-hmm. um, after, yeah, I think it was early April. Uh, so, yeah, we... 
Yeah, but I think we've been, it's a bit of a hard thing because we've been limited by stock. So we could have sold more to retailers and definitely online as well, but we didn't have enough stock to do so. So mm-hmm. I would have loved to have been able to sell more to retailers because I think that would have really helped them even more mm-hmm. during this time. Um, but yeah, we just haven't been able to. Yeah. Has that, has getting your hands on stock been the biggest issue during COVID? Um, no. Um, for us, we have really long lead times. So we have to place our orders like 12 months in advance, roughly, um, which actually can be pretty standard in fashion. But it's just not something you can just say like, hey, give me another, you know, thousand mm-hmm. units or whatever it is. So we have had to kind of just work with what we've what we've got Mm -hmm. and yeah i think like some of the biggest issues like obviously the australian dollar becoming quite weak so that put pressure on our margins and our buying price Mm -hmm. we all obviously working from home and i think as a young or you know still learning business owner (laughs) that's just been something i've had to kind of learn to navigate in terms of mental health and keeping everyone engaged and, and yeah, like I think it's going okay, but just kind of adopting some new fun ways to kind of stay connected more during that time. What's worked for you there? I, like we do week, I do weekly one-on-ones with my team. On Monday mornings, we have a group chat where we talk about the previous week's results. Like I do this um, big spreadsheet and, yeah, we talk about how we tracked and then we talk about what we're working on for the week. Uh, so that's been really – we used to do that in the office also, but we kind of still do that virtually, which has mm-hmm. been awesome. And then <laughs> on Fridays I do this thing, it's a bit talky, it's called Friday <laughs> Reflections, <laughs> which I actually did that in the office as well. But I don't know, I just found that I guess in a startup or a small business, you're always working at such a fast pace and there's always – you're ticking through things and then, but there's always more you can be doing. And Mm. I felt like often we were kind of going into the week and or finishing the week and then we'd start off on our Mondays and then say, oh, you know, I didn't get to do that last week, but um, I'll do that this week and rah, rah, rah. And I felt like we weren't really acknowledging the amazing work that we were doing for that week. So Friday Reflections (laughs) is just like talking about, just acknowledging the awesome stuff we've done that week. So, and if anyone wants to say anything, and generally we have a wine and we might play, <laughs> play some virtual games or yeah. that kind of thing. So, it's not as dorky as it sounds, right? Yeah. I think, well, last <laughs> week actually, I organized cocktails for everyone. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. I got, um, there's a cool place on Ligon Street called Atticus Finch, and they're doing deliver, like delivery around the whole area. So, mm. Yeah, so I got some cocktails for everyone, which was really cool, and we had Uber Eats and, yeah. That's cool. Was, yeah, a good night. So, yeah, just trying to find ways to have mm. fun and embrace it somewhat. Absolutely. I can imagine as a founder it must be hard in such a strong growth phase and your team's still expanding and moving. It's like now everyone's locked down. It's like, oh, how do I keep a little bit of control but let everyone do their thing? It's I can see the, the difficulty in the balance there. Yeah. But I feel like my staff are all pretty great. Yeah, they're all very capable and I haven't hired entry-level people like it, like where I've had to manage them. A lot of the time I'm going to like they're coming up with ideas and telling me about it, which is exactly what I need and wanted. So yeah. I feel like it's it's been 
helpful for this kind of working from home situation. Awesome. I'm just watching your website at the moment and just watching mm. the ticker of, of what everyone's buying. It's yeah. Just crazy. <laughs> just how much is coming through? It's real, right? Yeah, it's real. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Um, yeah. My mum, she often will like, she really loves merry people and yeah, she'll, we'll have a chat and she's, she'll say, Oh, I saw that someone from Germany bought some <laughs> boots from me. <laughs> I'm like, mum, get off my website. <laughs> you just got it on the TV, just permanently up, just watching what's selling. It's fantastic. Yeah, probably. Oh. Like, skewing my data. But no, she's just, she's just happy and proud, which is lovely. That's brilliant. Um, now, you're a big supporter of women in business as well. I've seen um, some of the work that you do and um, the mentorship that you give for women in business. What areas um, do you feel that women entrepreneurs need support in? Where, where can people best focus their attention? Uh, so, I think for, for me um, and just from what I've seen and even what I went through at the start, I think a big thing is confidence. And so, I, I like, I guess, being that ordinary girl that, you know, you like started it out of my savings and you know, I didn't, I don't have a social profile. I'm not, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have super wealthy parents that just kind of, yeah, it's just, it's been through my passion and me believing in my idea. So I guess I like to talk to women and just to show them, I guess, that you can do it. Um, and anyone, I think that often in the startup world, you know, you go to a startup event, it's mostly men in hoodies and yeah. it can be quite intimidating for, for a girl. So I, I do like to just be that voice. And even if they've got a crazy idea, like to kind of say, I had my idea was gumboots and the amount of people that laughed at me and told me that was ridiculous. So just to kind of be that person to kind of say, well, you know, I did it and you can do it. Mm. You just, this is, this is how you can go about it. Did you really have people telling you it was ridiculous? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was my identity was as a corporate person and mm. I guess that's how everyone knew me and I'd gone from that and I studied an arts journalism degree, so completely different and mm. Yeah, a lot of my city friends were like, oh, my God, Danny, that is so country. Like, I'm not so country, but just like like thought that I was kind of going through a bit of a quarter-life crisis <laughs> and didn't really – no one could see it, what I could see. And, and it mm. is, it's what, I, what is happening now is what I could see. So I think that's the thing. Sometimes you have ideas and you tell people and they can't visualise it. So because they can't visualise it, they – say that it's crazy or that that can't happen but I think if you can visualize it and you can feel it then that's what you need to hold on to and just because you can't convince someone right there in that moment doesn't mean it's a bad idea yeah no and I think it's just fantastic that you're telling your story as well and I th we're in a we're in a time right now where there's so many fantastic and inspirational female founders that haven't necessarily got a big e-commerce background, right? So mm. we were spoke, speaking to Anna from Kester Black uh, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago and people like yourself, uh, people like Kate from Adore Beauty, like they've all just had this idea and bootstrapped it and given it a go and mm. um, the fact that you don't kind of hide that story or, or and you're open about sharing it, I think will inspire a lot of people to get in and give things a go. 
Yeah, I hope so because I think that there needs to be more female founders out there and solving things that they're passionate about. I think women are big consumers and I think Mm. we understand that. Yeah, especially in the country, I think there's a lot of products and services out there that can reach more regional areas and that regional people can do that. Yeah, where I'd love to see some more innovation and female leaders coming through. Yeah, brilliant. Makes sense. Now, Danny, I can see that you have um, expanded out from your gumboot empire and into the world of umbrellas. How's that going for you? Yes. So, we did a collaboration earlier this year with a group called Blunt Umbrellas, who are a New Zealand brand. And and yeah, no, it's been going really well. It's been, um, I think they've got similar design elements to Merry People in that it's a quality, functional product with just basic design elements so we felt like it was a really good product fit and yeah they're amazing umbrellas that don't blow out when in the wind so they've actually been tested in pretty full-on wind tunnels and stuff so yeah we I think I initially thought about doing umbrellas ourselves but I was like no there's too much engineering behind it and so when we found these guys, then, yeah, I thought it was a really good fit. So, yeah, I think we'll continue to do stuff with Blunt as as we grow. That's awesome. In terms of products, yeah, we will do, yeah, other little add-ons. We wanted to do some more this year, but it just hasn't happened. Um, so, yeah, we will have some more. We'll have um, two new gumboots coming out, two new designed gumboots coming out next year so we'll have a taller boot which was supposed to come out this year but it's just been really hard to get the design right remotely so yeah we'll have that coming out early next year and then another uh, one which is pretty cool so yeah excited about both of them plenty more gumboot scope hey Mm, absolutely (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's so much you can do with it (laughs) (laughs) in your six years of e-commerce i know we touched on what surprised you um earlier Mm. is there what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned over those years something that maybe a a stuff up or, or or just a lesson that you'd share with everyone that may help others not make the same mistake so i think that it's that's kind of exactly it. Like it is about making mistakes. It's I think it's about learning really quickly and doing lots of testing and A-B testing on different things. So I think e-commerce is definitely not a set and forget activity. I think if you want to, to gear your business to that towards that, then I think you need to know that that's, that's it's not, you know, you put on some ads and then they just run and then you just, like the sales, like we're, we're in our ad account, you know, every day and we're continually trying to outperform and do stuff like that. So I think it is, and it's trying new things, it's making mistakes, it's, you know, mm. I think when Richmond were in the grand final a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, let's try and target Richmond supporters <laughs> um, yeah. with our yellow boots, the yellow, black and yellow boots, and it failed, did not work. But, you know, we tried it. So <laughs> that's, that's because Richmond supporters don't wear shoes. <laughs> well, I live in Richmond. There's lots of Richmond. <laughs> My boyfriend actually goes to Richmond. He's there. Oh, um, sorry. No, 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 that's right. I'm not. I was, I was at that grand final. I was going for GWS, if that's the one you're talking about, or the previous year. Uh, I'm not sure, but one of yeah. one of them. We um yeah, yeah we tr- but you've got to just keep trialing things. Yeah. And 
coming up with ideas and going, let's try the targeting them or let's try a content around this. So I think it's yep. about doing that, failing, like have it and then trying something else. So, yeah. And, and from an ad perspective, do you manage all that in-house? We do, yes. Yeah, um, so that allows you to be more nimble? Yeah, I, I've always kind of wanted to keep that IP internally because I feel like, well, what's the point of developing it with an agency or something and then, you know, someone moves on and then you've got to kind of work work out work it out with someone new. Um, yep. We do have one person at the moment who is external who's just helping us a little bit with something, but we, we kind of do, yeah, that, that's only just been very recently, but most um, up until now it's, yeah, been us internally doing it. Fantastic. Mm. Well, Danny, we really appreciate your time and um, thank you for joining us from lockdown. I'm sure you've got a thousand things on your plate, so thanks for sharing your journey and what you're doing at Merry People. That's okay. I hope it was of value to your listeners. No problem. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. So as you are probably more than aware, we are coming up to the silly discounting season again, and it'll be a silly discounting season like one we have never seen before. I think this episode with Danny is a really timely reminder and a great way to hear of a brand that regularly sells out by not discounting, because not discounting is a strategy in itself. It speaks volumes to the integrity of a brand, the focus on quality, and an everyday fairness of price. It's a long-term play, but one to consider as we come up to Black Friday and Cyber Monday. If you want more on whether you should discount, listen to this episode, obviously, but you can also go back to episode three with Dave Dennings from Surfstitch on smart discounting, and episode five with Jason Andrew on e-commerce accounting. They've got some great tips in there. Now, if you want to go into the draw to win those fabulous Bobby Gumboot, which you can see on merrypeople.com, all you need to do is leave us a review on iTunes and send the screenshot into hello at addtocart.com.au. The review that tickles us the most doesn't have to be the longest, doesn't have to be the smartest, just gives us a bit of a laugh. They'll win. It's that easy. Make sure you check out the full range at merrypeople.com. Good luck. If you're looking for more e-commerce news, case studies, and research, sign up to 12 High's High Five newsletter. Every week, I read all the e-commerce news and send you five things which I've found which will help grow your business. Visit 12high.com.au forward slash high five, H-I-G-H five to sign up for free. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep adding to cart. (laughs) 